Howdy, 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 and welcome back to Yoga Beyond the Sweat, a podcast dedicated to providing yoga education and actionable ways to enhance your practice. My name is Betsy Williamson. I'm a 200-hour RYT, former professor of art and art history, and current graduate student in clinical psychology. So a little note before we get started. When I wrote this script, it was conceived as the first episode of the podcast. However, as you're probably aware, it is the second episode. So for reasons that will become obvious as the episode progresses, I did not change the script. So it still reads as if it's the first episode. All right, let's get the episode started. I thought it was fitting here to read you the opening speech Swami Vivekananda gave at the World's Parliament of Religions in Chicago on September 11th, 1893 at the World's Fair, because Vivekananda was the first to bring the ideas presented in the Yoga Sutras to the American masses in what he called Raja Yoga, not to say there weren't Americans familiar with The Yoga Sutras with various yoga practices, there certainly were, but this was sort of the introduction to the American public at large. So, Vivekananda came to the podium and began, quote, Sisters and brothers of America, it fills my heart with joy unspeakable to rise in response to the warm and cordial welcome which you have given us. I thank you in the name of the most ancient order of monks in the world. I thank you in the name of the mother of religions. I thank you in the name of millions and millions of Hindu people of all classes and sects. Many thanks also to some of the speakers on this platform who, referring to the delegates from the Orient, have told you that these men from far-off nations may well claim to claim the honor of bearing to different lands, the idea of toleration. I am proud to belong to a religion which has taught the world both tolerance and universal acceptance. We believe not only in universal toleration, but we accept all religions as true. I am proud to belong to a nation which has sheltered the persecuted and the refugees of all religions and all nations of the earth. I am proud to tell you that we have gathered in our bosom the purest remnants of the Israelites who came to southern India and took refugees with us in the very year in which their holy temple was shattered to pieces by Roman tyranny. I am proud to belong to a religion which has sheltered and is still fostering the remnants of the grand Zoroastrian religion. That is not what that says. Mm-mm. It says, I am proud to belong to a religion which has sheltered and is still fostering the remnant of the grand Zoroastrian nation. I will quote to you, brethren, a few lines from a hymn which I remember to have repeated from my earliest boyhood, which is every day repeated by millions of human beings. And the hymn goes, As the different streams have their sources in different places, all mingle their waters in the sea. So, O Lord, the different paths which men take through different tendencies, various though they appear, crooked or straight, all lead to thee. Um, The end of the hymn. Vivekananda goes on. The present convention, which is one of the most august assemblies ever held, is in itself a vindication 
a declaration to the world of wonderful doctrine preached in the Bhagavad Gita, which says, quote, whoever comes to me through whatsoever form I reach him, all men are struggling through paths which in the end lead to me, end quote. Vivekananda continues, sectarianism, bigotry, and its horrible descendant, fantasism, have long possessed this beautiful earth. They have filled the earth with violence, drenched it often with human blood, destroyed civilizations, and sent whole nations to despair. Had it not been for these horrible demons, human society would be far more advanced than it is now. But their time has come, and I fervently hope that the ball... Well, sorry, I hope that the bell that tolled this morning in honor of this convention may be the death knell of fantasism, of all persecutions with the sword or with the pen, and all unchartable feelings between persons winding their way to the same goal. So, that is what Swami... Vivekananda opened with at the World Parliament of Religions. So I keep thinking about how I should start this podcast, which obviously I figured out. So as I was reading yoga and Freud, two philosophies of mind compared by TKV Desi Kachar and Hellfriend... I was inspired and discovered how I would start this podcast. For context, Desi Kachar is the son and student of T. Krishnamacharya, the man who is often referred to as the father of modern postural yoga. And Krush is a German psychotherapist and psychoanalyst. So I found my starting point when Desi Kachar and Krush began to discuss um, Sutra 2 from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which state, quote, Yoga Chitta Vritti Narodaha, end quote. This generally translates as yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind. This um, second sutra or sentence of the text tells us exactly what the purpose of classical yoga or the yoga from the yoga sutras is. However, in the contemporary world, we have become fixated on the auxiliaries or aids that can help us attain yoga rather than actually attaining yoga itself. That doesn't necessarily mean we don't enjoy sort of having our minds slow down while we're in a yoga or meditation class. We certainly do. That brings some like peace, but it's certainly not our ultimate goal. So anyway, back to Chitta Vritti Narodaha. What does that even mean or entail to still the fluctuations of the mind? I think when most practitioners today read the sutra or hear about it in a yoga class, it brings to mind a transcendental state, meaning that you have basically, <coughs> excuse me, basically that you've stopped all thinking, that you're not thinking about anything, that your mind is blank. One may picture the Buddha in a seated posture with his eyes closed or half closed. While many translations point to this interpretation, when you dig a little deeper, you discover a transcendental state 
is not actually the goal. It's not what's actually meant by Chattavritti Narodaha. Exploring this idea, the intended meaning of Sutra 1.2 is where I'm going to start. Where I assumed I was starting this podcast, but it's, it's where we're continuing the podcast today. So in subsequent episodes, we will dive deeper into the religious um, philosophical structures that inform this idea and the Yoga Sutras generally, along with other ideas. So what was the exchange between Desi Kachar and Krush? Desi Kachar begins to explain what the individual words in the sutra mean. He states, quote, Chitta comes from the word chit, which means consciousness. Chitta means, quote, that which is so close to consciousness that it is almost consciousness, end quote. He goes on, quote, Riti comes from the Sanskrit word meaning interaction. And Narodaha means here that all these interactions are decided by consciousness and only consciousness determines the interactions, end quote. Thus he concludes that Chitta Vritti Narodaha means, quote, to disconnect from anything other than what is in front of me, end quote. So my interpretation of this is that one has to get beyond the mind. What we understand in the West is consciousness. Um, is to encounter consciousness. That doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, so I think what a lot of times we think of like the fact that we think is our consciousness, but thinking is not actually, um, the totality of your consciousness, even though it's a part of it. So you've got to get beyond that to sort of understand what your consciousness actually is. It's not your mind. And this is the practice of yoga. So here Desi Kachar translates Chitta Vritti Narodaha to mean, quote, to disconnect from anything other than what is in front of me, end quote. So when I read this, I began to wonder how he translated this sutra in his book, The Heart of Yoga. I also started contemplating how many people probably understood the practice laid out in the Yoga Sutras were meant to lead to a transcendental state, um, which we'll come back to later. So I decided to go back to my copy of The Heart of Yoga, as it has been about a year since I've read it. Um, it's been more than a year. So here does Char translated Yoga Sutra um, 1.2 as, quote, yoga is the ability to direct the mind exclusively towards an object and sustain that direction without any distraction, end quote. And so these basically are different words to say the same thing that he expressed in Yoga and Freud. So after... Looking at these two definitions, I decided to consult every translation of the Yoga Sutras that I have access to. Some of these translations are from uh, Indian swamis and gurus, Indian scholars, and then some of them are from contemporary Western yogis and also Western academics. So Osho, also known as Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, translated Sutra 1.2 as, quote, 
Yoga is the cessation of the mind, end quote. BKS Iyengar translated it as, quote, the restraint of mental modifications or suppressions of the fluctuations of consciousness, end quote. Swami Satchitananda translated it as, quote, the, the restraints of modifications of the mind stuff is yoga, end quote. Pandit Rajmani Tinganat, Ph.D., said, quote, complete mastery over the roaming tendencies of the mind is yoga, end quote. Alan Finger, who is an American yogi, said, quote, yoga is the experience we have when all vritti, the movement arising in our consciousness, is still, end quote. Ram Bhakt um, said, quote, keeping the mind calm and focused is the essence of yoga, end quote. Kelly DiNardo and Amy Pierce Hayden said, quote, yoga is the mastery of the mind's fluctuations, end quote. And academic Edwin F. Bryant in his book, The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, states, quote, yoga is the stilling of the changing states of the mind, end quote. All right, so ultimately all of these definitions given above, with the exception of Bhakt, give the impression you are supposed to clear the mind of everything. Furthermore, um, giving the interpretation that this is a forced process using words like restraint and mastery. At least some of these translations use these words. I personally don't think this is correct. Yoga is a practice, a learned skill, not something to be attained by force, at least not in the Yoga Sutras. And this is why there are eight auxiliaries listed in the Yoga Sutras. It's something you're supposed to build to, this Chittavriti Narodaha. Others speak on this sutra without translating it. Vivekananda states in his book Raja Yoga, quote, the more concentrated the mind is, the more power is brought to bear on one point. That is the secret. End quote. Rumamurti S. Mishra states, quote, Yoga teaches the methods to control the mighty waves of the mind and to subdue them completely to the primordial consciousness, which is operating externally through every perceptual mechanism. End quote. Scholar David Gordon White, in his book, The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, a biography, gives us insight into the philosophical understanding of classical yoga. He explains, quote, Samkhya yoga philosophy is a dualist system comprised of spirit and matter. This makes up the entire universe, everything in it, end quote, and everything is in flux. Thus the mind and all the universe is in flux in this moment and every moment. Goes on, quote, this fluctuation is vitally important to understanding classical yoga philosophy and all other Indian philosophies, end quote. So yoga is a system that fluctuation is service of... So, let me start that over. Yoga is a system that functions in service of salvation, of freeing humans from suffering existence. The goal here is to free the mind from its misconception that the person or spirit is trapped in the cycle of death and rebirth. Although all 
the persons in the universe are embedded in matter. They are not subject to its laws, and each person is pure, luminous, transcendent consciousness. While theologically you might not agree with yoga's idea of salvation, we can all practice and attain yoga. So what is the final stage of yoga? Samadhi. This is generally translated as absorption. This is often taken as a thoughtless or even unaware state. However, Sutra 3.3 explains that this is not what samadhi is at all. Bryant translates Sutra 3.3 as, quote, Samadhi is when the same dhyana shines forth as the object alone and the mind is devoid of its own reflective nature, end quote. Desi Kachar translate the same, translates the same sutra as, quote, When we reach this state, all that is evident is the object itself. We are not even aware that we are distinct beings separate from the object. Our mental activities are integrated with the object and nothing else, end quote. This means when our mind is so focused on an object, we cease to realize ourselves and the object are separate. We understand them as one and the same. So ultimately, Chitta Vritti Narodaha is samadhi. When the fluctuations of the mind have ceased and you have pointed focus on an object, presumably an object that you're meditating on, and you and that object merge, that is the state of yoga according to the Yoga Sutra. All right. So let's wrap this up. I hope you now have a better understanding of what Chittavriti Narodaha actually means. It doesn't necessarily mean to have no thought. It means to still your mind enough that you can have one pointedness with another object, whatever object you are meditating on. So I hope that was helpful. I hope that brings some clarity, some focus to your practice, especially if um, you have studied the sutras a lot or if the teachers you practice under bringing them up a lot, bring up the sutras a lot. Um, I hope that gives you some clarity of mind of maybe what you can practice while you are in Shavasana. All right, so thank you for joining me this week. I hope you have gained knowledge that expands your practice. Please join me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at betsy.williamson.yoga or on TikTok at betsywilliamsonyoga. If you have any topics you would like me to discuss or anything you would like to add to the conversation um, or if you disagree with me, agree with me, whatever. If you have something you would like to chat with me about, you can email me at yogabeyondthesweat at gmail.com or you can uh, DM me on Instagram and I will leave you with Om Shanti. May you find peace throughout the rest of your week. Bye.